Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. We have Michael Andonisio, Tom Bradley, and Mark Clemente here. And a couple things we want to talk about first before we get into the news of the day. Uh, first, huge thank you to Austin Andonisio, Michael's son, because we are three old men and couldn't figure out how the hell to upload this audio file uh, to our social channels. So Austin thankfully stepped in. Hard to believe I raised a kid that smells coming from my genes. But yes, thank you, Austin, for all your help with getting it on social media for us. Yeah, appreciate that. Couldn't have done it without him. Got it to Spotify, which was huge. Uh, second, want to thank all of you for listening to the first go-round and providing some great feedback. We have definitely are going to incorporate a lot of what you said. Some of it's going to have to come naturally. We're not going to force anything here. We don't want to force conflict or arguments or anything like that. I know people love hearing arguments, but... Um, when it comes, it comes. And so we'll, uh, we'll see, how, see what happens. So this week, we didn't talk about the Penguins last week. All-star break. We figured we'll, we'll give it a rest uh, with everything else that was going on. But we're going to talk Penguins. And Tommy is a Penguin expert, so I, I think you're going to love to hear what he has to say. But Tom, I want to start out, get your take on Tuesday night's game against the Bruins. For me, it was a perfect microcosm as to why this team isn't going anywhere in the playoffs again. And I know people aren't going to want to hear that, but that's what I think. Number one, they played a great second period, a great 18 minutes of a second period. The end of the second period, you could see legs were gone. Bruins dominated play. Fortunately, Jari kept them off the scoreboard, kept the Penguins on top. My contention is this team's getting too old. They can't play Sully style. In, in, through the playoffs. I think they're going to be dead again, and you're going to see them bounced early. Number two, the fact that nobody came to Jari's defense after that idiot Marshawn did what he did. Indefensible, inexcusable, despicable, whatever you want to say. You have the first line out there. Where was Dumoulin? Right? He's supposed to be – where was Dumoulin? You got, I don't care. where You go over to Marshawn. You find a way to him. And you said, you can't let that happen. And – Look, we're not in the locker room, but I can't imagine that's good for locker room psyche and morale. Well, let me start off by saying that uh, for those that don't know me, uh, when it comes to the Penguins, I'm not a fanboy. I don't root. I don't have a favorite Penguin. I root for the team. I root for the logo. And if you're wearing a Penguin jersey, you know I'm on your side. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin, I can't stand him. Right. He wore put a Penguin jersey on tomorrow. You'd love. Him. I'd be a big fan. Right. So, you know, when I talk about the Penguins, I talk about it from the heart because I want the team to win as a, as a, as a fan of the mm -hmm. team and the organization, not any one particular player. So, with that being said, to answer your second question first, I blame Sullivan for what happened at the end of the game. And the reason I do that is because the game was over. It's 4-2 mm -hmm. with 20-some seconds left when the whistle blew. Once they scored the second goal, listen, it was a chippy game. Mm -hmm. You're not playing... You know, the Broad Street bullies over there. But Boston's got some guys. Mm -hmm. They were taking liberties with Crosby in the third period. They thought that his incident that happened with mm -hmm. uh, Bergeron, which was an accident. accident right. They um, just caught skates. Yeah. Unfortunately, you kind of have to do that anymore now in the NHL. If you if you hit somebody, you got to, you know, you get whacked a couple times. So there was some chippiness going on through the whole game. The game, you're up two, you're up two games, or I'm sorry, you're up two goals with 30-some seconds left in the game. Get your stars off the ice. You know, and especially you're already down Malkin. No, you don't right. want Crosby out there. Should one of those guys have done something to him? Yes, I yes they should have, but then what happens? You know, if Crosby or Latang gets hurt 
in that situation, then, then we're all saying tomorrow or today, why, why would you jump in there? Just let him go. He's a knucklehead. You know, so that's a no-win situation. What I what I blame is the Sullivan. I think that the fourth line or the third line should have been out there. You know, the game's over. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to get Crosby his 500th goal empty net, mm-hmm. but not in that game. You know, if you're playing Buffalo or Ottawa, Ottawa or somebody <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, maybe doesn't bring some of that silliness with them, that's one thing. But that, so that the second part of your question, yes, I, I I think the wrong people were on the ice, and that was the problem. That's a great point. And I just don't yep. think you want the Crosbys and Gensels and Russ of the world. Right. All of them have been hurt. Right. All of them have missed time. I don't think you want that. To answer your first part about Sullivan's system, it, it it's it's twofold. It's what he believes in, and it's one two cups. So you have to say that it works. But I agree with you. It's a demanding system. It's a system. It's not a, in my opinion, it's not a star-based system. This isn't meant for the Crosbys and Malkins of the world. This is meant for a team of grinders, of guys. That it's why I think when the stars are out, the system works better because right. it's 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 a it's a twelve. Couldn't agree more. It's twelve forwards, eighteen skater system, mm-hmm. as opposed to one or two superstar system, and. For guys like Crosby and Malkin who are in their 30s and things like that, it's actually a blessing that some of them have missed time because they're not playing the 82 right. grind. But to your point, some of the grinders and things like that, you can see this is a system that you can't play 82 games. You're not going to have your legs every day, every game. So what you hope for is, for example, they've you know this is now five games in a row. They've won one. They've got points in the other three, even though they lost four of them. So that's what good teams do. You're still getting points even though you don't have your A game. You're not necessarily winning. But in those five games where they lost four of them, they still got five points. So that's not the end of the world. So, yes, it is a tough system to play, but um, it's what he believes in, and he's won two cups with it. So it's hard to argue. Well, and I say you saw that coming down the stretch before the All-Star break. That was a tired, fatigued hockey team, right? Losing to inferior teams night in, night out um, because – they didn't have their legs. And I loved your point about it's not a star-based system, right? That's why when Crosby and Malkin are out, like, this team still wins because the system works, but it requires certain things. And I think they won the Cups. Let's not forget, you know, there's only one Tom Brady that plays until his mid-40s. Mother, Nathan, you know, mother time catches up to everybody. And I think the Crosbys and the Malkin, they struggle, right? They don't have the legs that they had when they were 28. When we won cups, yeah, and and it's weird because you know Crosby, Malkin, Latang, the the three stars are in phenomenal shape. It, you know, when you right. watch Crosby play, it doesn't look like he's you know not one hundred percent. Malkin's missed a lot of years out now for yep. COVID again, mm-hmm. so he's going to miss some time there. Uh, same with Latang. This the stars don't look like they're struggling, but the team as a whole does. So, like I said, it's a weird dynamic with what this system requires and the demands that are put on it. But, you know, I agree with you that when I watch this team, it's the same team that lost last year to the Islanders. Would the Penguins have won that with better goaltending last year? Probably. But then what? You know, and and it's the same stars. It's the same system. The grinders and the third and fourth liners have been moved around a little bit. But it's still going to come down to are the stars going to be stars in the playoffs? Is Jari going to, you know, going to do his thing? Jari's been great this year. What if in game one, mm-hmm. in, let's say in Boston Gardens, that the, the first shot goes in from the blue line? Mm-hmm. What is the players going to think? What is the coach going to think? Here we go again. What's the goalie right. going to think? Right. You know, until he does it in playoff time, all of this doesn't matter. 
he can he can knock him up a goal for 82 games. He goes into the playoff, the first shot he goes in the net, mm-hmm. oh, that's out the window. Yeah, And that's what we've got to see from him. So I this team's not done yet. I think Hextall's going to do something to, Speaking of, to, what, to what, move what, the parts around a little bit. I was going to say, what holes do you see on this team right now? This what I what I think the number one thing from this team is they're not physical. And by physical, I mean they don't need Orion Reeves. They don't need somebody that's standing over there that's a goon uh, that's just going to fight. What they need is guys that just play the game physically, bump into people, mm-hmm. hit people, finish their checks, move people out from front of the net. They have a lot of guys that are finesse players. Mm-hmm. They're not physical and. You know, the days of having a Jay Caulfield, of having a Ryan Reeves that just, you know, come out and play four minutes Brown a game. Or you Phil Bork, who they, played they an beat aggressive style of hockey. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, when the Penguins won the Cup, they had guys like Chris Kunitz who would take right. your head off. Mm-hmm. They had guys like Ian Cole in front of the net that mm-hmm. would break a stick over your right. head and move you from in front of the net. Guys like that, they weren't fighters. They didn't drop the gloves. They didn't fight. Mm-hmm. They were just physical. You knew they were on the ice. The other team had to look around. For example, what you said. If Chris Kunitz was on the ice last night when Jari mm-hmm. got hit, Kunitz would have, would have leapt, <laughs> leapt over the net, the referee, the glass, whatever, to get to him because he that's the kind of player that he was. And that doesn't mean he's a goon. It doesn't mean right. he's it, it's, it's something like that. It's just a, a style of play, and I don't think that they have that physicalness to them anymore. And that's what I'm hoping to see, that they can get a third-line winger that maybe plays a little physical, a fifth or sixth defenseman, that's going to bang some people and, and bring some physicality to it. I think those are the kind of moves. So a TANF. Yeah. A TANF type. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody like him, you know, Brock McGinn, it does mm-hmm. that a little bit. A little on bit. This. Yeah. You know, it just needs some more of that. Some more physicality to just play a more heavy style of game instead of just everything on the perimeter. Tell me, you notice who hasn't chirped in during this conversation at all? Yeah. Michael doesn't know if a hockey puck's blown up or stuffed. <laughs> I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, with the Penguins, when you lose four straight series, it's all about the right. puck drop. With the first. All this yep. is nice. They can win the division again. They can have a great regular season again. Okay, wake me up at game one, and let's see what happens this year. Because that's, that's what this organization is bound, is, is, uh, bound by. They need to have success for financial reasons also. You know, they need to have home playoff games to be able to keep the finances going. Uh, and keep everybody, you know, spending the cap. So yeah. um, we'll see when come playoffs time. And we'll talk about, you know, the trade deadline mm-hmm. as we get closer. We'll talk about the free agency in the summer where there could be some significant changes and stuff like that as we get a little closer down through the season. Perfect. Thank you, Tommy. Excellent analysis, as always, from you on the Penguins. Now let's get Michael involved in the conversation, and we'll turn to something he knows very well, pit basketball. I want to apologize first, all the listeners, for even having to talk about this. But this, the state of this basketball program, we talk about, you just went from talking about the Penguins, right? Right. With their system and their culture. Mm -hmm. This program at Pitt has no system and has no culture. And you listen to all the the chat boards and people are talking, well, Jeff Capel can't recruit. Listen, you don't have to have five-star guys to win. I watched Purdue play last night. They're number three in the country. They got a bunch of three-star recruits on that team. You can coach the players. Well, look at Jamie and Ben. That's all they – I mean, occasionally they get a four-star guy. But they had their system, and they implemented it with their types of players. Yes. That's the kind of guys you got to – like Jim Beheim does that Mm -hmm. in Syracuse. He looks for a specific type of basketball player to bring into his program that may not fit at North Carolina or Duke. 
and they fit his system the way he plays. You know when you go into a program like Syracuse, mm-hmm. like North Carolina, like Duke, they play a certain style of basketball. Pitt has no identity at this mm-hmm. point. So if you're talking about recruits, that's one thing. I mean, and listen, I, I was a Jeff Capel fan, and you know you how were. He Michael was a huge Capel fan. I was super. And up patient. until a couple months ago, you were still. I was defending still there. Him. Even at late, I was wanted them gone, but you were defending them. Even late December, when they played some close games, they lost to Notre Dame by one. Um, they played Louisville close and lost by three. We started to see some things building there, and then they take one step forward and two steps straight back. Um, and I was like, you, nobody wants to start over because when you start over, you start saying to yourself, well, I'm not going to have my recruits next year. Right. Guess what? Jeff Capel has not one recruit next year. He had Judah Mintz, who mm-hmm. was a four-star right. guy. He verbally committed and then decommitted. Yeah. So he has nobody coming in next year. To, so for me, I think they need to start over. But it looks like Heather Likes not going to start over. Well, what I found interesting was with, with uh, Pitt, you know, I, I root for Pitt because they're they're, they're in Pittsburgh. You know, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I mean, you know, if they had a badminton team and it said Pittsburgh across the right. front of it, I'd root for it because it's my if hometown. If they had the Pitt script on it, yeah, 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 you're gonna like them. But what I don't understand, or what I've always heard about Pitt, is that you know Jamie Dixon was a you know and Jay, and Ben Howland when they were here, it was a Big East town. Right. They could recruit the Big East area. Great point. Yeah. And that the ACC is not. So me not being a hundred percent a basketball fan. It seemed to me that Jamie and Ben figured out the type of players they needed to win in their conference and then went and recruited it. And it seems like since they went to the ACC that these coaches that have been here, Stallings and Capel, haven't figured out what it takes to win in the ACC and then therefore haven't gone out and gotten that type of player because ACC player is going to be different than the old-style Big East player. Mm -hmm. And Syracuse from afar, I watch them every year. It looks like it's the same team every year. It, the, the same guys, just different names. Different. <laughs> well, some guys have been. Seems like they've been there for back twenty years. Jersey, but but he's got the same team every year. Well, that's mm-hmm. my point. Is where Jim Beheim has a culture and a system. Right. You know, when you go there, that's the type of system you're going to play in. I'm not sure what Jeff Capel's system is, and he has no culture there. We had Audis Tony mm-hmm. who transferred. We had Xavier. Xavier Johnson. We had Trey McGowns who transferred. Now going into and Heather like said the other day I, she had a press conference she right. said you know Jeff yeah. Capel can do the job well we'll see I, I think she did what she had to do in season she didn't want to come out and say anything else for fear that the bottom would truly I, look I think we're at the bottom but you know from her perspective we're mid season right what good is going to come of her coming out and saying she's not happy she doesn't think it's on the right path nothing she's not going to fire mid season anyway so. I, what's going to happen? I think at the end of the season, if it continues down the path, we see another collapse, February collapse, like we've seen the past two years, and we're in the midst of it now. He has to go. Well, we, we, Look how many people are at the, at the peak. That's embarrassing. Well, and that, that's my point. I, you know, I was watching college basketball on Saturday with my youngest daughter, and we were watching the USC-Arizona game, and she said to me, Dad, have you ever been to a college basketball game with this kind of atmosphere? And I said, absolutely. Unfortunately, you don't remember. You were too little. The peak was rocking. If mm-hmm. you win in this town, no matter what sport it that is. That was the hottest ticket in town for three years. They're going to show up. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had season tickets for 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know how many games I've been to this year? Two. Right. And that's because I was in a luxury box and got free food. That's the only reason I went. I have trouble sitting through a whole game. I've never had that trouble before. And I've given this guy a pass. But we're looking at 
four guys that he brought in last year, Collier, Jeffries, Odakali, and John Ugly. Mm-hmm. All four are going to transfer. Right. Collier and Jeffries are going to transfer because they're not playing, right. and they haven't gotten better. they actually gotten worse. I've never seen that before, <laughs> but they've gotten worse from their freshman year to their sophomore year. And Ugly, last game, got benched. He right. didn't even start. He had two points against Virginia Tech. And he's their best player. And he's far. their best player. Uh, Odakali's going to probably transfer, too. So it was starting over with a new coach, what's the what's difference? What's the point? He has no recruits coming in next year, and he's probably going to have four guys transfer out again this year. Because there's no culture and no system. Well, that's where, as I mean, I I look at the AD as the as the CEO of the company, mm-hmm. and as you know, I own my own business. When if I'm sitting there from a, looking at it from a thirty thousand you know point view, I look at a coach that has I think multiple arrests from his players now in the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Every off season, it seems like every player there is transferring. Mm-hmm. I've heard you know that there's arguing between the players, bad attitudes mm-hmm. between the players, and things like that. Is that a culture problem? To your point, is that you're recruiting players that nobody else wants because of attitude or, or personal problems? Well, that Tom, that's not true because it, you look at Audie's Tony. I watched him last mm-hmm. night against Auburn. He played 41 minutes and had a double double. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, somebody wants these guys. Xavier Johnson's at Indiana playing. Yeah, but Parker Stewart is playing at right, Indiana. Yeah. But Xavier Johnson didn't he just get suspended? There was just five him, and Par- him and Parker Stewart. Yeah, those five good. players that got suspended for that program. So that's what I mean. I, so as you know, I, I'm looking at as I'm if I'm having like I'm protecting the shield. I'm protecting my right. logo and my org and my culture. And when you see as something like that, where you have no recruits, you have players transferring, you have the players that are there getting arrested or or or, or getting worse as the as the thing goes along. What kind? Of, especially then of all things, you have pit football for who for 30 years have struggled, and now you've got some you're shining some light on the on the university. The last thing in the world you want is this, you know, the you know the, the basketball program all of a sudden, you know, look, you know, the, the, as much light as you're bringing on for football, it's dimming on the basketball side of it. Agree, and exactly right. So everybody, Narduzzi, she gave him time. What well, takes time with football? You're talking about how many scholarship players? Eighty-five, and you have twenty-two. That takes some time to build and build the culture. To your no arrests in football, right? He is recruiting high-character kids, and I can attest to that. Michael, you met Kenny and Nick. I mean, we're talking two very high-quality kids. Jake Cradle was in here, met him. Great kid, right? I think he's recruiting at a different level than Capel is, and that's only going to continue, right? He's building the right culture with Pitt football that's going to win year after year. Capel, nothing. Well, the difference between Narduzzi, his recruiting, and Jeff Capel's recruiting is Capel is chasing five-star guys that he has no chance in getting. Right. He needs to stay in his lane, bro. I mean, <laughs> he literally needs to stay in his lane. Yeah. And so he's chasing these five-star guys that he never gets, and then recruiting's coming to an end, and then he's scrambling to pick up players at the end of it. You know, I mean, there's many ways to win, and you don't need five-star guys to be competitive in college basketball. And I hear on the message boards, all the, well, who are they going to hire? Who are they going to get? There's a lot of guys out there. Are you kidding me? Who's going to be worse than this? We all thought Cable was going to be a huge upgrade over Stallings, well, Sleepy Stallings. That hasn't and, happened. And, and that, There's I, a guy up in Westchester County, New Rochelle, New York, who I'd hire in a heartbeat that's coaching at Iona. In a heartbeat. I don't care about his past issues. He's running a great program up there. Look what he's done. Rick Bettina. Right. How about Sean Miller? Right. Why not? He's paid, you know, he paid the piper for what he did. He's, he's, he's clear now. Well, we're talking about patience, and we're saying, mm-hmm. okay, well, we're giving Jeff Cable more time. Okay. Stallings had a better winning percentage in February and March. I, I, seriously, that's insane. He, he had a, 
a 200 winning percentage in February and March, which is sad to say. Cable is seven and 29 in March in four years, a one a, a 194 winning percentage. I think it's time for him to go and bring somebody else new in. It's they're going to be starting from scratch again next year. Why not start with a new coach? And here's the worst part too. Again, I, I'm not as I'm not as up to date on basketball, but from from an outsider's view. It sure as heck looks to me that North Carolina's down this year and that this has not been the no. dominant right. ACC these last no. couple right. years. ACC's if you down. were going to win, this was the year yeah. to do yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, this is the, one of the weakest Power 5 conferences this year. And it, and was, it, and it was like that last year, too. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this is the time where schools like Pitt, Florida State, ones that are not necessarily quote-unquote basketball schools, this is your time to, to put your foot down. And if mm -hmm. you had a capable program, you could have you had some serious success in the ACC these last couple of years. So they really missed an opportunity from what I've seen. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that's that's pit basketball. And now we're going to talk about something that we all can weigh in on, that we all have some level of expertise in, the NFL and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's start with the hometown team first. They announced some hirings this week. What we all knew was going to happen, Terrell Austin is D.C. Uh, I like the move personally. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings out there, about. I'd like to get both of your take on it. Look. Tomlin brought him in three years ago now, and at the time, he was a hot commodity. He had a bad, one bad half season in Cincinnati, and he was fired for it. But they had no talent at all, zero, none, and you saw it the year after. They were garbage. Um, but in Detroit, one of the top defenses in the NFL, I think this is a highly qualified guy if Tomlin lets him call the signals. Is, is Tomlin going to relinquish any power and then let this guy do his thing, or is we going to see more of the same? Well, from my perspective, what I want to see is is on the field. And, and we've already taken a look at this. You know, Keith Butler missed the game this year mm -hmm. when he had COVID. So Terrell Austin and Tomlin, whatever the, you know, most people think that Tomlin's a defensive coordinator, Austin's just going to be mm -hmm. the yes guy and whatever okay. Tomlin wants yep. to do, he's going to do. Well, whatever that structure was, you know, they it was they, they, we saw it this year with Butler out. Austin was calling the plays with Tomlin that, uh, that game. And that was one of their best defensive performances in the second half. And that was with a, with the injuries and everything that was going on. So what I saw this year, and, and obviously it's only one game, I like what I saw in that one game. Now the question is, will Tomlin listen to Austin more than he listened to Butler and so on and so forth? I don't know that. Nobody knows that. And anybody who says right. that they do, you, you know, you, you're lying you because you have, to be, right. but you have to be in the room. Mm -hmm. um, Tomlin's a defensive coach. That's what he is. All head coaches. Any line of it, whether they call the plays or not. I mean, Andy Reid's walking around with a, a three-foot sign with all his plays on it. And so is Eric Bieniemy. And that offense seems to be working out perfectly fine. Now, obviously, those two guys, it's, it's, it's what they guys are involved. Yeah. Yeah. They got to coexist. You know, I, I, I think that, that Austin, you know, take away that he's a promotion from within because that's one thing the Steelers can knock for. Right. He's not a promotion. He's not. They his first job wasn't with the Steelers, right. and then they groomed them up to this. He was a respected coach when they hired him. Everybody thought what a coup it was. They were mm -hmm. getting him to right. just be a, a defensive back, back coach. coach yeah. mm -hmm. um, so I think it's I think it has the potential to be a good hire. I think it's fresh blood, fresh eyes. He's had three years to kind of sit back and see how Tomlin does things, how Butler did things. But it all comes down to the players. If you have the players, if the, if the Steelers had a healthy uh, defense this year, it would have been better if they have the pieces in place next year. It's going to be – it all depends right. on the players. If you have the players – You're only as good as your players. Yeah, it's going to work out. So, yeah, we'll see. What, what do we think about the wide receiver coach uh, that we heard about this week? I, first of all, we didn't even know there was a wide receiver opening. They made, they obviously did not renew Ike Hilliard's contract. Uh, that was quietly done. Next thing we know, we hear 
the Frisbee man, Frisman. Frisman Jackson. Frisman Jackson, who I've never heard of, but uh, that may be here nor there. But well, like Tommy's point, you're you're a product. You're coaching, but you're coaching. You're only your coach is only as good as your players, right? Now, it was was the wide receiver room that dysfunctional that they had to make that move, or was it a product of the way they run their offense? Well, we saw Chase Claypool. Claypool did not get any better in year two um, at all. He regressed in many areas. So maybe that was an indictment on Hilliard. That and Tom one's letting us know that. I don't know. Well, here's what I kind of as an outsider, and I don't. Again, you don't know, but. I thought it was awful strange that they didn't announce anything with Hilliard. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I've been sort of, if you start to look at this, you know, again, Matt Canada doesn't have the best reputation as right. being a person that's pleasant to work with. <laughs> so you had an offensive line coach, Adrian Clem, that left mm-hmm. in the middle of the year to go to a college job, which doesn't happen. Then you had Chris Morgan, who everybody said was going to be the heir apparent because it's just they're going to promote within. Mm-hmm. He's been a coach before and in the NFL. And decent and track record sudden, that. He disappears. He goes to be Chicago's thing. And then they don't announce anything with Hilliard, who's, you know, as I think a couple of the local reporters have reported, um, that his contract had expired mm-hmm. and they just didn't renew it. Well, did they not renew it or did Hilliard not want to come back? Right. And that's three offensive coaches that, in my, from the outside view, decided that they didn't want to be with this organization and move somewhere else. Well, that doesn't happen with the Steelers very often. It doesn't happen in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, there's only so many NFL jobs to go around. And the fact that these guys are packing up and leaving, you know, at least on the offensive side of the ball, I got a question: Is that a Canada thing? Is mm-hmm. that a, is that a pushback on Canada, or what? But uh, you know, that's something to keep an eye on as well. Well, I was going to so to me, and I think that that's an excellent point. For me, all roads lead back to Art Rooney the second, and I'm going to make a quick point on that. And Michael, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I've been saying for several years now that the problem lies with one man and one man only, and it's Art. Since Dan left to become ambassador to Ireland and Art took over the team, look at the – it's been a steady decline. From top to bottom. Yeah. The culture of the, right. the organization has changed. That was always – And what do they always say about businesses? Third generation of family-owned businesses when problems start to happen? I think we're seeing it, folks. And it's almost sacrilegious in this town to criticize any Rooney. But for me, it's plain and simple. It's art. And he lacks the, he's an attorney, right? And while he played quarterback, they say he played quarterback in high school, but he didn't come up in the game like his old man did. He didn't have to work his way to the top. He wasn't a scout. He never worked in the front, never, right? He was the, the family name and he stepped in for, for, for Dan. I don't think he has what it takes to lead an NFL franchise. That's me. People are thinking I'm crazy. But look at the record. Look what's happened since Art has taken over this team. I quite honestly, you know, the Rooney name, while it is holier, you know, is 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 holier than now name in this town. The fact of the matter is, the original, the chief, he didn't have a whole lot of success. That's right. Early on. Mm-hmm. You know, this team didn't really become what they were until Dan really took over right. control of this. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Dan grew up in the business. He learned the business as a scout and all that stuff. And this organization thrived when Dan, from the time that Dan took over until the time Dan retired. And then Art, you know, when you hear people talk about, when you, the the best way you can find out about yourself is how other people talk to you, about you. And when people talk about Dan Rooney, everybody, players, coaches, Mm -hmm. um, announcers, people in the NFL, they talk about Dan in a way that is, 
as reverence. high yeah, right. a reverence. Yeah. As high a compliment as you can about the person, mm-hmm. not the businessman, the person, about how good of a person he was. He cared about you, knew about your family, asked about your wife and kids. People well, I have a story people about respected that. him and wanted to play for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case with art. I don't think art is the same as Dan, and it's tough when you're replacing right. somebody like that. But I agree with you that this organization as whole, I think that art has seceded some power to Tomlin. And mm-hmm. when you start doing that, usually, unless your last name is Belichick, which has worked right. out well in New England, right. but outside of that, when the coach becomes bigger than the organization, that doesn't usually work out well for the organization. No, I agree. Uh, the thing with Dan, Dan, we talked about systems, right? We've been talking about them all night. What Basketball, hockey, whatever. It applies to football as well. You have an approach, you have a philosophy. Dan had his. And they would draft players that they knew would work in that system. system. Yeah. Right? Art doesn't Art doesn't know the game like his dad did. And that's gone away. And you're seeing, sure, they hit on some draft picks, but they're having a hell of a lot of misses. And why are they drafting all these dudes from Maryland? Right? <laughs> Stuff like that. Antoine Brooks, Anthony McFarland. Because Mike Tomlin's son played at Maryland. I mean, that stuff doesn't happen under Dan. You drafted players that would fit what you were trying to accomplish. And Dan always had a knack for keeping players just long enough, right? right. Just long enough. Right. He was great at to that. let them go. He one year too keep... early versus one, one year too, too late. late. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we're not seeing that now. Guys are staying too late. And it, it, it's a huge hit on the salary cap. And they, they had the salary cap issues the past several years because of that. Dan was masterful. Dan knew the game inside and out. I'd put him up there with anybody. I'd put him with Belichick. Everybody says Belichick plays chess while everyone everyone else plays checkers. Art played chess, or Dan played chess while everyone else played checkers. And you saw the success they had. All right. Well, Sunday, big game. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Super Bowl. So, guys, what are you thinking? I don't I don't have a take. If the first time, I, I have no idea. Everyone's asking me, who do you think is going to win? I have no idea. Right? Rams have a great defense. Cincinnati has the explosive offense with Joe Cool, who I love, by the way. He's the modern-day Joe Namath. Love his offense. Love, love him. The glasses, the Cartier glasses. I mean, the dude is just cool. Um, what do you guys think? I have no idea. I know. You know, I've talked to some people, and they're like, well, this Super Bowl seemed boring. God. You know, Cincinnati, small market team, mm-hmm. hasn't been in a Super Bowl since 88. I find it fascinating. Uh, You know, I want to see Jamar Chase going up against Jalen Ramsey. I want to see how they're going to block uh, Aaron Donald. Um, I want to see if if Burrow can stay off his back Mm -hmm. um, because he was sacked 51 times during a regular season. Um, I want to see if Matt Stafford can actually win the big game and maybe get his name in the top, you know, the top echelon of the quarterbacks because he played in Detroit for 11 years. And everybody said he's just a mediocre quarterback. Well, he goes there, and listen, I give it the less sneak. Uh, you right. know, they lost to Green Bay last year in the divisional playoff, and he said hey, the guy less had balls. the GM of the Rams. Yeah, less sneak is the GM of the Rams. He had balls. He he knew he made a mistake with Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. He said we got to correct this, and he went out and got Matthew Stafford with basically the same roster mm-hmm. that they had last year, just changing the quarterback. And, and it changed the results during the Super Bowl. Well, changing the quarterbacks and going to the Super Bowl might be a lesson for Steeler fans this offseason. <laughs> right. But uh, besides that, I, I think the biggest problem for Cincinnati, and I have friends in Cincinnati, they are 
you know, that we, we talk back and forth about, you know, pirate fans, mm -hmm. Bengal fans. This is the same kind. This is an organization that's been down for 30 mm -hmm. years, had their heart ripped out multiple times, had not gotten thanks to, to the Steelers. Yeah, not gotten to the to the to the game like this. I think they're a great story, but I think the biggest problem is there is no way possible for Cincinnati to block the front seven of the Rangers. There just isn't. And if Burrow can get the ball out quickly to his stars uh, and 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 not get killed in this game, then they got a shot. But that offense, that and not just Aaron Donald, but the the linebackers. I mean, that front, Miller, yeah, that front no. seven is just and that's Floyd, just not yeah, a good. That, yeah, no. It's not a good. It's not a good front uh, five for for Cincinnati. And I think that's where the game could easily be won and lost. If Cincinnati can hold up, hold those, keep those guys off of Burrow, then they got a legitimate chance. And uh, Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar uh, Jamar Chase is going to be worth the, the price, price of admission. Right. Yeah, I mean that's going to be. I, I wish my boy Dion. I wish you know <laughs> Dion would, would do. I mean, he would love a moment like that. And uh, so we'll see. Jalen Ramsey talks a lot. This is his time yep, to to back to it up. up. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge pit guy. Everybody knows that. I don't hide it. And my closing comments going to be about that. I'm going to rant a little bit, but it's great to see from a, a pit guy's. Yeah, Tyler Boyd, Cincinnati, who by the way hasn't dropped the ball in like 17 years, um, and I don't think that gets talked about enough. I think he's a very underrated, underrated wide receiver. I'm hopeful that we'll see a lot of good from both of those guys. But Tommy, I have to. You made a great point. I think. The Rams, their defense is going to make the difference in this, be the difference in this game for sure. Yeah, and Aaron, and Aaron Donald wants that ring. I mean, when you right. and you have, and he's out of all the players and all the stars that are going to be on that field, Aaron Aaron Donald is different than everybody else. Yes. Yeah, and he has a chance to take over that game single handedly, and and you can tell by the way he's talking and the way he's acting. This this game, it's a Super Bowl. It means a lot right. to everybody, yeah. but it's just a different level for him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes out and just wreaks havoc. There you have it. All right, so we're at about that time. Well, Close. Do we want to make official predictions for the Super Bowl? You want to do it? Let's do it. Yeah, Why not? So what the hell? I can hang something over your heads. So well, yeah, go for it. So, no, you go first. I'm gonna, I want to go last. So I can. I'm gonna, I was thinking the Rams, but you know what? I think Burrow and the Bengals have found a way all year, and they've been underdogs all year. I'm going to say the Bengals win this game. What's the score? Bengals win 27-24. I'm with Mark on this. I, the Bengals have nothing to lose. They're playing with right. Haas money, right? You know, right. The, the Rams were rated one of the top mm -hmm. three or four teams coming into the season. They pushed all their chips to the middle of the table. Les Snead has a mm -hmm. coffee mug on his desk. The, the general manager that says F draft picks. He wants commodities that can play now. He's mm -hmm. not worried about the future. Um, the Rams have to win this Super Bowl. Cincinnati, they're just there to play. They can play mm -hmm. relaxed. Now, if Joe Burrow can stay out at right. third down and long, they got a shot at winning this game. I say 31 28. Mm, okay. Wow. Well, you're both idiots. Uh, <laughs> I'll say I agree with you that Cincinnati's playing with house money. They should have pushed it all in last week. Cash that little voucher ticket, cash it in, and just call it a good day. I think the Rams, I think Aaron Donald's mm -hmm. going to, has a chance to be the MVP. I think he could get three sacks for him and Vaughn Miller combined, could mm -hmm. just, you know, wreak havoc all game. And Joe Burrow for the day. Um, this is like you said, uh, Michael. This is the Rams have been pointing to this. This is what they got to do. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole franchise from top to bottom. Yeah. They have no draft picks. They the next time <laughs> yeah. they draft, my ten year old will be in college. So, 
they have to win this game, and it's a, it's a home game for them. We'll see if it, if it's well, actually a home quote game. Quote unquote home game. Um, I agree, with Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's got stars in their eyes. They weren't expecting to be there. The pressure's not on them. Sometimes that works in your favor, but I think LA is just too loaded in, in the key areas. Okay. And I think that uh, LA is. What are we going to bet? What's on the line here? I think at LA 31 17. Wow. Are we betting on What this? are we going to bet? I mean, yeah, like, we got to bet. bet. I mean, what are we going to put on this? So I'm not real sure. Where's well, my money? Yeah. <laughs> you want to lay the money on the line for fantasy football? Of course. I'm not even you still don't have it. Wow. I'm not even We're sure. down. I'm not even sure that I lost a fantasy football, but, you know, <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, yeah, whatever you guys. Let's wager your dinner on it. All right. All right. Done. Sounds good. All right. So Michael and I may be enjoying a nice. Steak dinner. Hyde Park. Hyde yeah. Park, yeah. Or McDonald's. Yeah, Park. whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. It's <laughs> cheap bastard. <laughs> All right, let's close it up. Closing comments for the week. Tommy? Uh, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. I, I love the fact that Tom Brady's not in it. I don't have anybody to root against. Either team wins. I'm happy for. Um, just sit back, enjoy the game. If you're thirsty, I know a nice beer shipper. Community you beverage. To, you can go to the stock up for your uh, – 412 Tommy, move it. Eight five seven seven four one two seven nine three eight five seven seven. So uh, enjoy the game. Just watch the potholes in the parking lot of this distributor. <laughs> um, I'm with Tom. I'm looking forward to this Super Bowl. I know a lot of people aren't really interested in it. I don't have anything in it. You know, my right. team's the Buccaneers. Obviously, the Rams beat them. But uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing this young quarterback play a really good mm-hmm. game on Sunday. So, okay, I'm going to end on a rant. We're all big draft guys, right? We're draft nerds. We study. We know who the players are. We, we get together every year. We've gotten together every year since we were in high school to watch the draft. And I've always respected Todd Mache up until today. He Very lazy. Very, very lazy. He's criticizing Pickett for one bad performance at the Senior Bowl because it was rainy. So now he's saying because Kenny has the small hands – He's going to struggle in, in, in certain weather conditions. He should play in a dome. It's all bullshit. Kenny played in Pittsburgh for five years. Last I checked, this is in Florida, right? This past year alone, he played at Blacksburg, 30 to 40 mile per hour winds. If you watch Virginia Tech's quarterback, he was throwing ducks all night. He couldn't throw into that wind. Kenny had no problem. Pitt plays North Carolina here, raining all game, downpour in overtime. And what I saw in overtime was Kenny throwing a zinger to Lucas Crawl to win that game. Horrible take by McShay. And I guess I normally like Todd. I read his stuff. I respect him. Not anymore. That was a lazy take. He should just watch the tape. These guys get too enamored with what happens in shorts and runner. Malik Willis, number one. Okay, you're good. Watch the tape. Look at the competition. Ridiculous. Kenny is still the best quarterback available in this draft. Say what you want. I don't, hands. Stop it. Mike Mamola ran a, a fast 40, and last night he sucked in the NFL. And he wasn't very good at BC. I mean, come on. Stop with this crap. Look at the tape. See what the guys do on the field. Anybody have any any take on that, any rebuttal? We can end on that note. No, there's definitely no rebuttal. Kenny Pickett's the first quarterback. And what happens is this is a long process. So I think that if you keep saying the same thing all the time, you're not going to get your clicks and views. This is right. a way for McShay. Willis came out of the Senior Bowl as everybody's you know wild card. He could be this. He could be that. Well, 
with quarterbacks, you don't want to play the wild card very often. Kenny Pickett is is solid. You know what he is. He's the number one quarterback in this draft. I've seen most mocks now saying he's going to go sixth overall in Carolina. I mean, it is what it is. You know, McShay's got to get some clicks and views too. So I think that's just his way of doing it. But I agree right. uh, that there's no way Willis is better than Pickett. No, just, no chance. No chance. Not right as we sit here right now. All right, we'll end on that note. Thanks for tuning in as always. Keep providing your feedback, your comments. We take them to heart. We try to do what we can to make sure you're enjoying this, you know, 40 minutes or so of, of sports talk. For Tommy and Michael, I'm Mark signing off for this week. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.